Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Here of the two minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number number seventy here on BlockTalkRadio.com forward slash two minute round. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me from the East Bay of Northern California, Ms. Lupi Gutierrez. How you doing, Lupi? Good. High fight fans. I'm doing real good. Good. And with us from the Inland Empire, surviving 98-degree heat, Mr. <laughs> David Avila. How you doing, David? Very good, everybody. How, how are you? Good, good. Thank you. And, well, we have a hot show tonight. Last uh, show, number 69, we didn't have – well, actually, we, we were scheduled not to have a, a guest, and we had an actual really special guest, Mr. Lou DiBella, who gave us the exclusive of the Hannah Gabriels, which we'll be talking about in a couple of minutes, and the fact that it was broadcast in the United States on the UFC Fight Pass. And we also had Mr. Rick Ramos from Chicago, Illinois, the trainer and manager of Jessica McCaskill, giving us a call and also uh, sharing some stuff with, with us on that night as well. And tonight we also have a very special guest, first time that we have her on a show out of New York City, Miss Ronica Jeffrey. So she's going to be calling uh, in about 15, 20 minutes. She's going to talk to us about her upcoming title fight against Eva Wallstrom, the fact that it's in Las Vegas, and uh, a couple other things about her career and everything else that she might want to share with us. So before we go to that, let me share the uh, number to call in if you wish to do so and speak some female boxing with us, 323 323- Five eight zero five seven three five three two three five eight zero five seven three five. We're gonna to go to the fight results fairly quickly here. Going back to Friday, July the twelfth, and in Tokyo, Japan, we had a a really good, exciting fight between considerably, arguably the two best female fighters from that country ever, in Ms. Naoko Fuyoka and Senkei Tsunami, which ended up in a very close split draw. It was a 10-rounder for the WBA 112-pound uh, title, which Fuyoka owns and keeps owning because of the draw. The scores there were 96-95 for Fuyoka, 96-94 for Tsunami, and 95-95 even. Uh, we had shared on the last show that it was going to be broadcast about 4 a.m. Pacific time on a A-side boxing uh, account on YouTube. But we weren't able to find it. I don't know if it has been on since then. David, did you get a chance to find this fight? Uh, yes, I did. It took about a day later, but I did watch the fight. Uh, it was pretty interesting. What, what can you tell us? Because actually, this is news to me. I'm going to look for the fight um, this weekend and then watch it. But what can you tell us about the fight and how did you see it? Well, well, first off, it's not Tenkai Tsunami. Uh, they make a mistake on that with the box rig. It's actually Tsunami Tenkai. Tsunami oh. is the first name. Tenkai oh, okay. is the last name. Okay, and, perfect. And uh, if anybody watches uh, Tsunami Tenkai, she's very defensive. She, she's an expert in defensive tactics, slipping and, and parrying and movement. And uh, 
So she had uh, Naoko on on her her bad foot through most of the night, and uh, Fujioka had a rally in the last uh, part to to get that draw. But uh, it was a pretty interesting fight. A lot of strategy involved. Naoko, if anybody's seen her before, she's very aggressive, very fast, mm-hmm. very strong. Uh, but but she had uh, somebody who was bent on neutralizing uh, everything that she had to offer. Pretty interesting fight, though. Now, did you have it a draw as well, David? Uh, yeah, I think uh draw was fair. It was very close. Uh, Naoko herself thought she lost, uh, so that tells you a lot. Wow. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. interesting because Fioka is pretty tough, and she's very experienced, and you would think that she had seen pretty much every um, style out there, and the fact that Tsunami 10K could confuse her to the point that she had to rally in the second half of the fight to earn a draw makes it pretty interesting. I can't wait to see the fight. By the sound of it, Lupe, you didn't get to watch it either? No, I didn't. Okay, but I will. so that's, find it that's a homework. Yeah, I will. I'll put it on there, and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll take a look at it. Now, on Wednesday, July 17th, from San Jose, Costa Rica, on the UFC Fight Pass, Anna Gabriels, who is under the Debella Entertainment banner, scored a unanimous decision over Abril Argentina Vidal in a 10-rounder, defending her WBA 154-pound title. Scores over 97-93 two times in 96-94. You wrote a pretty uh, good report for the PriceFighters.com, David, on this fight. Did you see something from Anna Gabriels that would make you think that at 154 pounds, the result against Clarissa Shields would be different? Um, it's hard to say because uh, it, it really depends on how Clarissa looks at 154. That's a lot of weight for her to lose. Uh, she's coming down two divisions to fight Hannah Gabriels at 154 if they do make it happen. And you never know. I mean, sometimes you pass that weak point and you just can't do anything. And that might slow it down too much for Hannah Gabriels, who's very comfortable at that weight. So, yeah, I think it it could uh, possibly affect uh, Clarissa. I'm not sure. It, it's just hard to say. What do you guys think? Lupi? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot, like you said, that's a lot of weight for Clarissa to come down. I mean, does she want to come down? Is it worth the fight for her? <laughs> Maybe. Well, one thing that we are going to be able to see is that that 154-pound title fight that she's gunning for at w, the WBO, which she was scheduled to have in early August, I believe it was first scheduled for, um, it's going to happen because now she's recuperating from that uh, knee problem that she had. And we're going to see how she carries 154 pounds. Um, I think that to a certain extent is a challenge for Shields. I mean, if you really think about it, at 168, I mean, she could have a rematch with Franchon Cruz, and maybe uh, Franchon Cruz discerned has improved and gotten enough experience to have another run at it. Other than that, I don't see any competition in that weight class, including the other champs. Um, at 160, mm-hmm. I mean, she already beat the best 160 besides her um, out there in Christina Hammer, and she did it, I mean, domin- in a dominant fashion. So I think that yeah. she does have to try to make it work at 154 because that's where there is going to be some challenge. I mean, she does have, you know, Hannah Gabriel sending her to the to the canvas for the only time in her career, and maybe she wants to revenge that at 154 pounds. She, there's yeah. the option of maybe even 
having um, Cecilia Breakhouse come up. So I think that for her to stay a little bit, I don't want to say viable, but, but I mean, what else is, is there for her at 160, 168? David? Yeah, there's a, there is a Raquel Miller. She's still out there. There's, there's yeah. always young fans coming up. And there's and there's a uh, what's the the English girl that beat her in the amateurs? Oh yeah, Savannah uh, Marshall. Savannah Marshall. Exactly. You know, but I mean Raquel Miller. I'm a fan. She's eight, nine, and zero. Oh. She has. She just won her first like regional title, but I think she still got a little bit way to go. To, to make a run for Clarissa Shields in the pro rank. So hopefully yeah. Shields at 154 um, feels okay, feels that she can carry the weight and she can stay there. And um, and then we'll see if there's some new challenges for her at that weight class. Um, and I'd, one of I'd them rather being... See her at Han- I'd rather see her with Hannah Gabriels than Cecilia uh, uh, Brockhaus. I'd rather see that fight. Yeah, uh, but I think, but I think that like from a from a like a money standpoint and from like a like a big fight mega fight standpoint, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that Cecilia Breakhouse is the fight because she's like yeah. the fighter that found HBO, the story yeah. there, both mm-hmm. undisputed champs in their weight yeah. class, well, one sixty, one forty seven. So yeah. yeah, and I'd rather see, I'd rather see, and I want to see that rematch with Anna Gibbs, and that's what Lou Debello was mentioning in her last show as well. So. Um, if you're just joining us, we're on the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. In about 10 minutes, we're going to have a 130-pound uh, world title challenger, Ronica Jeffrey, in an exclusive interview. This is the first time here on our show with us. And if you want to call in and talk female boxing, 323-580-5735. I'm sorry, 580-5735. On Thursday, July 18th from France, Maiva Hamadouche scored a six-round TKO over Mexican Janice Perez to defend her IBF 130-pound title. Janice Perez coming up in weight, uh, not as experienced as Hamadouche. This is a fighter that is exciting, um, that I would it really like to see Yeah, on American airwaves. Uh, we know that Luke Bella was trying to bring her over before he got put in, in the corner by Showtime Boxing. So... Mm-hmm. It's carded. What are the odds of getting a hammer douche over here? I mean, it's not like a fight that anybody's gonna jump at and say, "Hey, I want to face her at 130 yeah. pounds." I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if the other champs are willing to do that either, David. Yeah, I know. Uh, she she's mentioned also that she wouldn't mind fighting Delphine Pursuit again. I think that's her only loss. Um, she wants to tangle with her again. She didn't think. Uh, treated uh, fairly. Yeah, well, being in Belgium and everything. Well, I mean, that's something that she could try and get. I think she just needs to lift her profile so that way that people can start demanding her more and maybe have her become an opponent for Katie Taylor or Delphine Pursuit at 135 Mm -hmm. or maybe even um, Michaela Mayer. But the fact that she's very tough, she's a world champ, and she's French, and she doesn't speak English makes it very tough for anybody to really call her out and ask to fight her, you know? Yeah. Now, yeah, she is I like her style. Yeah. I like her style. I like how she moves forward. Yeah, She's very tough. much. 
Yeah, I do too. She's yeah. tough. She goes forward. She's looking to she throws a lot of punches, which makes it exciting, and she scores knockouts. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, I really wish that uh, we could get her in a in a, in a mean, meaningful fight. I mean, Janice Perez. I mean, you know, props to her and respect to her, but you know, it's not really going to move the needle at 130 pounds. The fact that Hamadouz beat Janice Perez in a six-round TKO on Thursday, July 18th, and the same yeah. night from the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. This was broadcast on Facebook. Golden Boy Promotions gave us Marlene Esparza scoring a unanimous decision over Mexico City Sonia Osorio in an eight-rounder, 112 pounds, 79-73, two times, 78-74. David, you were there. Did you Before you give us your, your uh, take on what you saw live, did you – watch the fight again with the commentary on Facebook or anything like that? Uh, no, I didn't. I just watched it live with no commentary. Lupe, did you watch it with the Facebook commentary with the, with uh, Doug Fisher there and the, the coach? I don't even, I don't know his name. Yeah, I did. Um, I kept mine kind of low when I was watching it. I had. To. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like these but guys don't watch- have box trick. It sounds like they don't have box trick because they're they're all over the place. I mean, they're saying that Sonia Soto had they in one in one sentence they say Sonia Soto has never fought in the United States, but then they say, oh, but she fought uh, Sinesa Estrada and Sinesa Estrada beat her. Well, Sinesa Estrada has only fought twice outside of the United States, and it hasn't been against Sonia Soto. They were able to correct it later on, and then they were calling her the fifth the 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 international the F, uh, the IBF world champion and. I'm going to check right now, but I'm almost 100% positive that she's never been a world champion. Um, let me see. She, uh, no, she's never. Al she, yeah, she's never. They were calling her that she was a former IBF world champion. She's never. She fought for the WBF flyweight champion against Isabel Millan in Monterrey, Mexico. I, was ha- I happened to be at that fight, and that's when I first saw her, and I was pretty impressed with her style. She's very aggressive. And other than that, she fought for the um, WBO, well, the WBA and EBO flyweight title against Marlene Esparza, and she ended up losing that United decision. And she did win the vacant uh, female, the Mexican national female flyweight title. She's never been a world champion. She's never even fought for the IBF title. So I don't know what Golden Boy was talking about. I mean, obviously, they're trying to build up Marlene Esparza. But, David, what did you see in that fight? I do have some thoughts about this fight as well. Go ahead. Well, it's funny because uh, before the fight, uh, when I spoke to Marlon by phone, she mentioned that uh, she finally was told that people don't like the amateur style, that she, that they prefer a pro style, you know, more uh, knockout style. And uh, so she's in the process of changing it. And so knowing that, and when she fought against Sonia, she did. You could tell that she was trying to, to basically uh, use a, a more professional style, a more prize-fighting style where you're trying to hurt the person, not just tap the person. And uh, she's trying to get rid of that habit of flooring with, with uh, tapping punches, and now she's trying to drive her punches. Through. And uh, she's able to do it pretty well for the first, I'd say the first six, seven rounds. And then Sonia, who's experienced, started timing those uh, combinations and uh, hitting her back. But but uh, it was it was a good imp- uh, performance by Marlon. She's learning the, the pro style, and uh, she's going to be uh, – she, she's going to do well. She's going to do well. Uh, well, 
we'll come back to that. We'll get Lupe's uh, take on that five plus mine plus the rest of the fight results. But on the line with us now, all the way from Brooklyn in New York City, is none other than world title challenger and uh, Miss Ronica Queen Jeffrey. Ronica, you're with us. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm here. Hi, Ronica. Thank you. Hi, how are you? We're good. Thank you, Ronica, for calling me the two-minute round. You're a hooks and jabs look at female boxing. My name is Felipe Leon, but I'm going to pass you on to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Thank you, Ronica, for calling me. It was a pleasure to, to get a hold of you. I'm glad that you were able to stay up late in New York time and uh, and uh, give us a call. So so what were you doing yeah, today? You guys almost lost me. I had to set an alarm just to be up. Oh, wow. man. So, so what was what was your day today? What was the what is in, involved today? Um, just early morning conditioning, like some sprints and stuff like that, and some floor work, gym time, and floor work and stuff, pad work, you know, things like that. And what gym do you work out of? Gleason's. Oh, okay. So, so tell us uh uh, for, this is your first time in our show, and uh, tell yeah. us uh, how you got into boxing, and and where did you grow up? Um, how did I get into boxing? Um, honestly, I started maybe like in my early twenties. Um, I mean, I just entered in really just as a form of exercise, and just kind of fell in love with the sport, and then um, decided to compete, and voila. Magic. Here I am. Here we are. <laughs> How many fights did you did you have an amateur uh background? Yes. Yeah, I fought um I was an amateur from two thousand and five to two thousand and I think seven or eight, yeah. Oh okay. When I met you in, I think it was 2008 or 2009 in Coachella, um, at that time, I, I guess, did you have a pro fighter already, or were you just about to get into the pro ranks? Um, I turned pro in 2000, I think, late, was it, oh, that's a good question. Now, either, I think I turned pro in either 2008 or 2009, so that was like the beginning. Late, 2008. 2008. Look, see, she know yeah. better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and and when, when you were in Coachella, how, how did you find out about that program or about that that uh, event? It was some kind of like a a gathering of different female fighters from all over. How did you find out about that? Is it Coachella? Yeah, Coachella. It was at the gym in Southern California. Oh, um, yeah. Um, it was Lori, Lori, um, yeah, I think we was in Palm Springs or one of them things. I think it was Lori Steinberg, oh, that's is right. it? Right. Yeah, Lori right. Steinberg, she, she had, cre- she created this, like, um, I guess she had called it, like, Bad Girls Club type of thing. And where she had like a couple of boxes from 
all over. I think at the time, when I, to be honest, I forgot how I even got a hold of the situation. And, um, you know, where was a couple of us, we kind of stayed in a room. I mean, in a, like, in a apartment. And, um, like, we trained every day. You know, we thought we boxed. It actually was really cool. It was just kind of like being, like, in, like, boxing camp. Yeah, exactly. There were some very good fighters there. A lot of yeah, yeah, good yeah. fighters from all it over. Was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh-huh. Always. It was. Yeah. Um, who was there? It was Jennifer Salinas was there. Um, I think that's the first time I had met Michaela Myers. Uh, she wasn't in the. She wasn't in, the um, the house. But I I don't know what she was. She was out there though. Um, and then that's the first time that I met um uh what's her name? Wes? Um Kalisha. Um, Kalisha yes, West. Kalisha yeah. West. Kalisha West. Um had came out to see us and speak to us and things of that sort. So um we were out there with Anne Marie. Did I say Jennifer Salinas? I think I oh, did. Sacramento. Yeah, and there's like some other yes, Anne Marie Sacramento. Um, yeah, and just like other girls from all over, from all over. It was very interesting, and I remember watching, and uh, each one of you all had, to, had you know, talent. That was like, how did, how did they find all this talent and put it in one place? It was a pretty interesting yeah, event. Was, was pretty it, was, it, was a, it was a nice situation. And since that time, has has uh, has women's boxing headed in the direction that you thought it was going to head? Has has it uh, evolved quick quick as you thought it would? Um, I, I wouldn't say quick because I still think that it's it's I think it's come a long way from from then, but I still think that you know it could be so much more and it probably should be so much more. Um, you know, thank God that the Olympics actually create created a better opportunity um for that or for you know like for the females especially coming from the amateurs um but you know just like everything else it could definitely be better and further along and you've been fighting at the super bantamweight uh division for a long time now and uh has it been comfortable uh, for you to stay at 122 or or I, I know you're jumping up to 130 for this fight. No, so, I fight at 26. I don't fight at 26. So that's your that's your true weight now. 126. I've always yeah I've always fought 26 even from the amateurs I fought 27. Oh okay okay so so you just drop down occasionally just to to get a fight. Yeah, I think I fought I think I fought 22 once. Oh okay. Like my first pro fight. Oh okay. So, so you're basically a featherweight, but you're going to move up for this world title fight. It, how did they get a hold of you? How did how did how did they uh, they reach you for this world title fight? Uh, through Brian Coleman. Oh, okay. And and what did what did they uh, what did you think when they offered you this fight? What were your thoughts? Um, I mean, it was. It was definitely, you know, it's like a little short notice, but I was just, you know, it's an opportunity. And, you know, I felt like, well, you know, if the opportunity is in my hand, then 
you know, it just makes sense to take it. And and what uh, do you know about uh, 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 your opponent? Uh, what do you, what do you think of her? Um, her style. I mean, uh, I really, to be honest, I really don't know much about her. Um, I know that she fought um, Melissa Singville in in Finland. Um, I, I mean, I know who she is. I've seen, you know, was, but I don't. I'm not really familiar with her. Oh, I see. Okay. And, and what if uh, I take it you're friends with Melissa St. Builder? Mm-hmm. And, and has she exchanged any kind of ideas of how you fight her or or what to expect? No, I mean, mm-hmm. me and Mel have, like, two different fighting styles. But, you know, um, I wouldn't say that she told me, like, how to fight her. You know, she just, you know, gives me, like, good especially you know, like, go out there and, you know what I'm saying, like, just, you know, be yourself and do what you, you know, do what you have to do. Just things like that. How how would you describe your own style, Veronica? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I would say that I'm more of a boxer than anything else. If I had to, if I had to put my style in the category, I'm saying yeah, a boxer. I've, I've seen some, you know, I could probably be slick sometimes. Yeah, I've seen some tapes, but I've never actually seen you fight in person. But 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 from what I saw, you're very technical. You're very uh, uh, precise and and very polished. Um, oh, would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> who who influenced you? Who's your um, main influence? I was, who's my main influence? I don't think I have one person. I think I have a lot of people. You know, especially like you know, coming up, being coming up from the amateurs and things. But you're around so many people, so many fighters. You get to, you know, be around like really, really good fighters. Um, you know, male and female, and you know, like especially when you start, you're kind of like a sponge, so you're kind of like drawn to, you know, just trying to pay close attention, you know, to people who fight a certain way, um, the people that you're around, you know. So I I think that it's just a mixture of of a lot. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pass it on to Lupe because I know she has questions and I know Felipe does too. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. Lupe. Hi, Ronica. Thank you, David. Hi, Hi how are you? Good, Hi. thanks. Um, hey, Ronica, do you like to be called Queen or Ronica outside of the ring? Like, what do you go by? Uh, I go by both. Like, some people call me Queen. Um, some people call me Ronica. So, okay. I mean, it doesn't matter. I answer the both. <laughs> Okay, but no, that's good. Okay, so I, let me start just by stating what I know about you. So you began boxing in 2003. You're a three-time Golden Glove champion and a silver national champion. And the Olymp- Olympics weren't offered to women, so you went pro in 2008. You're 17-1 and one with one knockout, and you became a world champion with five belts, NABF, WIBF, WIBA, WBC, silver, and the WBU. What else do you want people to know about you in and outside of the ring? Oh, that was really good. Can you send me all of that to myself, please? Yeah, I will. <laughs> I, need, I, I need that information. <laughs> Your <little resume>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what else do you want people to know, not just in, but out of the ring? 
I mean, I'm, people who don't, you know, I'm a really cool person. I think that um, if anybody asks, like, I'm just really nice and really chill. And you know, I, you know, like, I love the sport of boxing. I, um, obviously, I love the, the support for my fellow women as I give it to them and they give it to me. Um, you know, I'm just a cool individual. You know, I work hard. I'm in and out mm-hmm. of the way. So um, that's just who I am as an individual, you know. I'm West Indian, you know, my family's from Grenada, so, you know, I'm a little spicy, but that's about it, I would say. Yeah, you're a good person, with a little attitude. Yeah. That's the spice. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's the spice. It is the spice. <laughs> so, am I right to say, am I right to say that your toughest opponent was probably Olivia Garula, who you beat, up, beat by unanimous decision for the vacant IWBF? And that Eva Wallstrom, who you're fighting for the WBC Super Featherweight title August 2nd, will be your biggest fight? Um, I would say uh, I would say Olivia and Lindsay got bought maybe. You know, like one of my probably like toughest. And yes, she is probably one of the biggest fighters that, I've, that I'm going to fight. Mm-hmm. And I have one more. It, Gleason's mm-hmm. gym. I mean, Gleason's gym has some talent. I follow uh, Melissa out of there, an older gal. Girl boxing, I love watching her videos. But you have, there's some talent. You, there's you, Heather Hardy, Melly Fankville, Alicia Ashley came out of there too. What's the vibe mm-hmm. in that gym that draws you to it and creates champions? Um, I think it's because it's like such an old school gym. It's very like grungy-ish. You know, it has like um, that that boxing grit that I think that you come to enjoy, even if you're very pussy and, you know, down to if you're not. Um, you know, you get to be on a lot of people, you know. There's people that fight there, people that don't fight there. But um, as you say, like, you know, our women are probably the most decorated ones in the gym at this point, so that makes it, like, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what you know, make Lisa because it has so much memory, so much history that they're going yeah. through there that, you know, like people just come there just to see, um, you know, like the pictures on the walls and, you know, the memories of the people and the signatures of, you know, the, the um, of, you know, like the people who come through there, like, you know, Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. you know, so forth and so forth. And, you know, like, you never know who's in there. Like, all types of people walk in there, you know, on a daily basis. Like, you have actresses, you have actors, you have singers, you have dancers, you know, you have people like Mark Freeland or, you know, Aaron Barkley, you know, just sitting around, just hanging out, you know, with, with other trainers and things like that. So, you know. Yeah, so you, it's just a winning it. a winning vibe, like good vibrations yeah. in there. Definitely. That's that's great. You know what? It was really good talking to you. Really good talking oh, to you. And you. I will. I'll I'll send you um your little resume that I made. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Please, because I feel like when people ask me, I'd be like, listen, these things have three letters. It's like the alphabet. I I can't I can't really send you a lot of them. So if I have it, I can study it. And I'll be able I'll to sound as as clean as you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you'll get it. And hey, um, we'll be watching. So, oh, thank uh, go you. Go get it. Yeah, go get All right, it. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, All right, thanks. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. Monica, real quick. 
Yeah, run, run yes. real quick before you leave. I know you want to get back to sleep because you probably have a big day tomorrow of training. I just have two questions. Mm-hmm. First, sure. the first one is your only loss in 2014 against Carla Torres. What can you tell us about that fight? I mean, looking at her record on that fight and since then, it doesn't seem like she deserved to be in the ring with you. Um, and then for her to get a split decision, it, it's kind of surprising. So what can you tell us about that fight and, and what happened then? I would say that that fight was definitely a lesson for me. It was, uh, you know, a time where I was like, and I don't, it's not to make no excuses about anything, you know what I'm saying, you know, give to her for whatever case. But, you know, like, I definitely was not in our right headspace at that time, and I shouldn't have taken the fight, you know, because I was really not, in, you know, into it. But sometimes I feel like the fighter in you um, tends to do things, because of whether it be, like, your pride, your ego, or just, like, you know, you feeling that you can't say no sometimes because you're like, well, I'm a fighter. I'm not supposed to say no, you know? And, you know, that's not that's not how it should be. You know, you have to protect yourself. You have to understand that, you know, you're the most important thing. If you're not 100, then you can't give 100, you know? So... I really like that answer because, you know, you, you learn from it, and I, and I hope that since then, and it looks like it, you haven't made that mistake. And my last question before we let you go, you, you fought – all your pro fights have been in the East Coast, New York. I see some in Delaware, uh, but mostly all in the, in the East Coast. Now, you're going to be fighting in Las Vegas uh, in your next fight against Eva Wallstrom, and the fact that it's not in New York City – but it's in the United States, and she's from out of the country. Do you feel it's like a home turf fight for you, even though it's in Las Vegas? Um, I wouldn't say home turf. I would say it's an equal turf, you know, because I'm not from there. She's not from there. So it's just like an equal platform. Um, So I would say it's mostly that, if anything else, you know, so it just makes it fair. Okay. Well, Veronica, we thank you very, very much for calling in, even though we know that you are on the East Coast and it's almost 11 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock over there right now. So we thank mm-hmm. you and uh, we wish you all the luck in the world. And hopefully next time uh, you could be on our show in, uh, in the future. Okay, no problem. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you, Veronica, and have a great night. All right, take it, guys. Good night. Good night. And then you have her, Ronica Jeffries, multi-time world champion, uh, WBC silver champion, and she's going to be going for the full-fledged 130-pound title uh, on August the 3rd, or August 2nd, August 2nd, a Friday night at the Thomas and Mack Center, and we're going to go over that fight in our fight preview. Um, going back um, to... She did sound a little sleepy in the beginning of the interview, but she kind of woke up uh, later on, huh? Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's. I mean, we thank her for calling in. I mean, it's eleven o'clock at night, and I bet she goes to sleep super early. Um, so that's great. And uh, but going back to that uh, Marlene Esparza fight, Lupe, you watched the fight. What were your thoughts uh, regarding uh, Esparza's uh, performance? Yeah, you know, Mar- for just for giving birth not too long ago and taking the first fight three months after she gave birth and already on her second fight, then you're going to hand it to her. I mean, she's, she's going to come out a lot stronger. She looked a lot stronger. 
because when you give birth, I mean, you just get stronger as a woman. And, and she was, you could see, I mean, she was hitting harder and there, mm-hmm. there were a few exciting exchanges, you know, between the both of them. But as I was watching the fight, I'm like, I was trying to think, is this really worthy of a golden boy stage? Like I was trying to like set myself, my feelings for everything and just say, is this what you expect of women's fight on golden boy to look like? And, and I was questioning it, you know, I mean, if, and if you're going to be going for the world titles and fight the best, you got to be explosive. And I know she's getting there. Like you said, David, you had a conversation with her, so she knows, you know. There's a lot of talent in Marlene's path to greatness, you know. But like you said, you did talk to her, and she does know what she needs to do. So let's see if she continues to do it. Well, I, I watched the fight, and I was I was impressed by Marlene's function. For the first time in her career since she went pro, I feel that, that what David said, that she's starting to – turn her style into a pro style, and that is one of the comments that I've had ever since she went pro, that in the same um, generation or the same class, if you want to say, that she's coming out of that Olympic that Olympic class, you know, with with uh, French Jean Cruz de Zern, with Raquel Miller, who was part of the U.S. team, with um, Clarissa Shields, with Katie mm-hmm. Taylor, with Michaela Mayer, all these women that are coming out from that high, high level of the amateurs and not going and now going pro, uh, Marlene Sparta was the slowest one, the one to take the longest to get to an amateur, uh, a pro style, sorry. And she's starting to get there. Mm-hmm. And now we do have to give her the benefit of the doubt because she did have a baby yeah. and she did have those spurts where she was only fighting on these big Canelo cards where she should have been fighting more often. But, you know, it's still, she's, you know, two years maybe into her pro career, and now she's starting to turn her her style. As far as your comment, Lupe, about Golden Boy, you know, of all the, of all the promoters that are at a high level, you know, there are other ones that are not at, the, at this level, but I'm talking about, like, Lou DiBella and Top Rank, and mm-hmm. you know, and Golden Boy, to me, they're the ones that really—I don't see a big. I mean, they have a commitment to female boxing, obviously, with Siniesa and with Franchon, and at one point, uh, Maricela Cornejo. But as far as their matchmaking or anything like that, I mean, I don't see like a concise yeah. roadmap like you, what you see with Mikael Mayer and what you see Lou DiBella do with his fighters. David, do you agree with me? I mean, I just need to just put it on the fight and see what happens, but I don't see, like, a concise roadmap of, of trying to develop a fighter. Uh, yeah, I think they've taken a careful uh, route with uh, all their fighters, and um, but I think uh, I think with Marlon, I think you still got to let her have a little bit more time to develop, but as far as Sanisa, no, just, just let her go because she is really good. She's ready for yeah. the world. And you're mm-hmm. holding her back if you if you try to match her carefully. I mean, just let her fight anybody because she's that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. And Franchon too. I think Franchon. I mean, I think in that weight class, exactly. if anything, the only clear winner over Franchon Cruz is Clarissa Shields, and then maybe not even mm-hmm. that clear at this point. Maybe maybe Clarissa still beats her in a rematch, but it would be a lot closer if it could be a lot closer. Then in the first fight, I mean, I think their first fight was 40-36 three times, David, if I'm not mistaken. But those rounds were close. Yep. 
Oh yeah, every you know, round that fight was, was Yeah, those rounds were closer than the forty thirty six you see in the scorecard, and maybe in a rematch it would be a lot closer than that. Uh, but other than that, I don't see anybody being a real competition to Franchon Cruz and Zern at a 168. So I, I, trust, I believe that what you say about Sinesa, that they should just let her go and try to fight the biggest names there. And with Marlene, yeah, take her somewhat slower because she is developing. Yeah, and when yeah. she, I think Marlene looks at her, watches her peers growing and all the great things they're doing, it's going it to lit a fire under her. You know, sometimes that's what we need. You know, you see what your people, your peers are doing. And you're like, let me go. Let me, what am I doing? So that's a good thing. Yeah, good point. So let's see. Very good point. That's a good point. Now, on Friday, July 19th, in Yorkshire, England, Terry Harper scored a second-round TKO. I mean, sorry, knockout over, over Nocivo, Nocifo Bell for the vacant IBO 122-pound title. Time there was 125. And on Saturday, July 20th, in Essex, England, Chantel Cameron scored the WBC silver 135-pound title against Anisha Bashil with the dominating 190 and 189 two times. Cameron has been calling out Katie Taylor since that win. And in London, England, on July 20th, Sherelle Brown scored unanimous decision over Kirsty Babington for the vacant WBC international title at 140. For uh, So she becomes a highly ranked uh, fighter, possible and a future opponent for the current WBC and, I believe, WBA uh, champion Jessica McCaskill, who we will talk about in a, little, in a couple of minutes. Scores there were 100 to 89, 99-90, and 98-91. And that is the fight results for the last couple of weeks. Now, a little bit of news. I don't know if you guys saw this, and, and if you did, I would like to get your thoughts. But uh, Melissa St. Bill, who is a good friend of Ronnie for Jeffrey and also uh, trains at a, uh, the Gleason's gym out there in New York City, has been in the last week, week and a half, or since our last show, has begun somewhat of a campaign to try to get a fight against a 130-pound champion for the um, WBA Korean Hume Mi Chow Choi. I'm really bad with Asian names. On social media, yeah, Choi. On social media, and I'll read. I'll read to you what. what uh, uh, Melissa said, and I want to get your thoughts and, and if you agree with uh, what she posted. I don't know if you guys got to see it, but I'll, I'll go over it with you guys real quick. She said, um, so I'm taking charge and making my own decision in my boxing journey, and this might have to do with something that Lupi mentioned last in the last show where she's not with Brian Conan no more, who, is a ma- who was her manager. So she says, so I'm taking charge and making my own decision in my boxing journey, now, because me going overseas is done, because women and the politics don't respect real fighters like myself, so risk takers. So then she puts, at Huey Choi, I hear you want to fight me, so yes, I accept. Let's do it right here in the United States. Put that WBL, WBA belt up, because me coming to Korea is out of the question. Have your people reach out to my people, Lou DiBella and Bionic Bull 215, whoever that is. It might be Brian Corn. I'm not sure. David, I don't know if you saw that, and if so, uh, what are your thoughts? And if you didn't, what are your thoughts as far as what the statement she just made? Well, I think she has a very good point. Uh, she's She's been very daring and, and willing to go overseas, and, and it hasn't proven to be successful. Uh, and uh, I think she's, you know, she's basically frustrated that, 
she fights her heart out and she doesn't get the decision, she doesn't get the breaks, and she's fought for titles, and now she wants to fight at home like everybody else. And uh, I think, you know, she should. She should get the opportunity to fight at home, and hopefully uh, the Korean girl, Choi, who's been fighting all the time in Korea, does uh, take the, the carrot and, and come to the U.S. I, I'm sure she'd get a lot of fans because all Korean uh, champions have a lot of fans in the United States. Lupi, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, exactly what David said. I mean, it sounds like she's frustrated. I was just guessing that she wasn't with um, Brian Cohen anymore. Just just from what I was just looking at, you know, just through social media. But I guess, I mean, she is. But, um, if you know, if she, I mean, if she's asking them to reach out to her people, I mean, what's happening, you know? I mean, she's a real fighter. Like, she's one of the real fighters who takes real fights. And she does deserve it. It's just who's going to make it happen. But I feel for her. She's a real fighter. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree with both of you. She's a real fighter. She's taken enough risks in her career and has gotten the short end of the stick in those risks. But at the end of the day, to quote the great Floyd Joy Mayweather Jr., if it makes dollars, then it makes sense. And I don't know if Lou DiBella has the pool right now with no TV, maybe UFC Fight Pass, to entice Choi to come into the United States and fight and defend her title outside of her country. I mean, that's just the, 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 the truth about boxing. You know, the God honest truth mm-hmm. about boxing that, you know, if they're willing to pay her, I'm sure Choi will come and her. She's going to get the biggest purse of her career. I just don't know if Lou DiBella and the UFC fight passes, that would be the way to go, have the purses. I don't know what kind of money Choi is making in Korea. Maybe she's not making a lot of money. And if you offer a good a purse here, she'll come. I just don't know. Yeah, very good point. So um, we'll see what happens there. Hopefully she does get the opportunity, but I think it's, uh, it might be wishful thinking on the side from Melissa Stainville. Also, another news that came out, Recently, the Argentinian Soledad Matisse, who is the sister of Lucas Matisse, former world champion, and also of another fighter, their older brother, who did not become a world champion. But he was pretty good in his time. His name was Walter Matisse, who actually trained her, I believe. Um, is going to be facing Ewa Branica in October for the WBO uh, Super Featherweight title. If you don't know much about the Matisse clan, every one of that family is a fighter. The mom was a boxer. The dad was a boxer. The older brother was a boxer, Walter Matisse. Lucas Matisse was a former world champion. And Soledad Matisse, I think she's a former world champion as well. Actually, she was a unified world champion until she lost it to Delina um, uh, Maranovic. So she's going to be challenging for another world title, this time at 130 pounds in October. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be in Poland, where Ariwa Branica, the champion, is from. Other than that, do you guys have any uh, views and notes that you would like to share? No, um, it looks, well, like looks like it's going to be a good one. I mean, she's got a lot of fights, and Iwa, a lot more than Iwa, but it looks good. I mean, this will be a good one. David? Yeah, I did. Uh, I was in Las Vegas this past weekend for the Manny Pacquiao fight in uh, – I went to the uh, Nevada uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. They ha- they finally have a location for it. And it's pretty interesting because 
they they are uh, going to include women's boxing uh, amongst the other uh, uh, artifacts and exhibits that they have for men's boxing. And uh, it was pretty interesting to see it. It's located in a mall called the Boulevard Mall on uh, Maryland Parkway. And I spoke to Rich Murata, who's the the originating, uh, the founder of the museum, and um, ran into some uh, to to some fighters. Uh, saw uh, Layla McCarter, McCarter. She was there, and she was talking about her upcoming uh, uh, possibilities, and uh, she's anxious to fight. And um, but she's trying to figure out what she wants to do. Go go up at 154, or stay at 147. Uh, I think she's gonna stay at 147. And she said basically she's you know did everything she can to lure a fight with Cecilia uh, Brackus, but uh, she said she's just given up and she'll just let them come to her if they want to fight. Hmm. But uh, that's what. Uh, that was the information I got. I don't see that happening anytime soon. That that Cecilia Breakhouse is going to go to her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, there, there there was a talk. We also talked about Melissa Hernandez and her big win. Huh. Uh, and she has a big fight coming up too. Uh, I think she's fighting in. Um, she's fighting in Europe. Who's she fighting? She's fighting in Europe. Uh, I think it's a world title fight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, sheesh. I, I'm drawing a blank on who she's fighting. But uh, Melissa Hernandez jump-started her career with that win over uh, the talented Selena Barrios. Yeah. And uh, one thing you reminded me of, David, by mentioning the, the Nevada Hall of Fame, but it was just announced a couple of days ago that the International Boxing Hall of Fame, the recognized, you know, head honcho of all the of all the Hall of Fames out there, the one in Canada, New York, who has their induction ceremony every um, summer, has actually uh, announced that they're going to start uh, inducting female fighters. They have two categories um, for female fighters: uh, one, the Trailblazer, who um, their their last fight couldn't be any later than 1989, and like a more modern version whose first fight couldn't have been um, earlier than 1989. Um, so that's I don't know they didn't, they just announced that I don't know if they announced I don't know if they're gonna have their first class of female boxers inducted into the Hall of Fame next year. But they did announce that they are going to have those two categories. Did you guys catch that? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. And it is for 2020. Yeah. It is for 2020. And, then, and I believe as far, like, they also changed one of the rules before the rule was that you had to be retired for five years before you considered for the Hall of Fame. And now they reduced it, reduced it to three years. So I'm sure that that's going to be, um, uh, you know, yeah, that's going to be, uh, you know, the same rule for the women. So I can only imagine, I mean, I don't know how many women they're going to induct in the first class, but I'm only going to imagine that Christy Martin is going to be in that first class and perhaps Layla, Layla uh, Ali as well. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, yeah. Lucia Riker. There's a ton of women. 
a ton of women that they can inject yeah. in the whole thing. There really is. So I'll, I, I don't know we'll what the limit is. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're they're placing a limit. Uh, I think they said something about eighty percent. They got to get eighty percent of the vote. But my 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 thinking is that there's not that many boxing writers in the U.S. that know women's boxing. Very few. True. Very very few. Hmm. I mean, I could well, I could well, throw a name at them like Mary Jo Sanders and all. Her draw a blank. I say Mary Jo Sanders, yeah. who's she? <laughs> They might, they, even, they might even vote for the most known ones. I mean, Christy Martin, obviously, one of the most known and a great career. I mean, she deserves it. Uh, another oh, yeah. one that had a great career as well, and she deserves it as well. But maybe there's others that deserve it more, but she's more known, and is uh, Mia St. John, you know, at least in the first chance. Mm-hmm. Because she fought on all those top ranks and those Don King undercards and stuff like that. And, you know, she may, she may be voted on because, like David says, none of these boxing writers, or not a lot of them, of these boxing writers, no female boxing, so they're going to vote for the one that they remember, you know. Um, maybe maybe the International Boxing Hall of Fame uh, sets up a special committee of more uh, experts in female boxing. Obviously, David Avila is part of the, of the panel for the Boxing Writers Association of America, and uh, maybe they go that route. Who knows? Yeah, it, it's funny because uh, they don't there's just not that many. They don't even know who knows. <laughs> it's it's yeah. kind of funny. I mean, it, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but uh, <laughs> I think, uh, like, it's going to be hard to find a certain amount of writers that know women's boxing. It really is. I, I say if they find more than a dozen on their own, then they really did their job because it's it's hard. It's hard to find that. I mean, I mean I'm talking about uh, – Newspaper writers uh, mm-hmm. who are part of the voting process, I'd say less than one percent know female boxing. Yeah, yeah, they don't follow it at all. Uh, okay, guys, so then we're moving on the home stretch here. Our next show it is scheduled for August eighth, and like always, I'm sure that we will find a very special fighter or somebody else as part of female boxing to be with us on that show. So August eighth. Here's our next show here on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 70 here on the Two Minute Round, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Two Minute Round. So the upcoming calendar, very quickly, Saturday, July 27th, this Saturday. This fight just was announced like last, like a couple of days ago, but in Santa Fe, Argentina, it's going to be broadcast obviously in Argentina. Daniela Berges, the WBO Bantamweight champion, is going to be defending her title against Mexican Valeria Perez in a scheduled 10-rounder. And literally this fight was announced like two days ago. She announced it like two days ago. So she must have known. Maybe they had told her that she would maybe fight. They finally found an opponent. So she barely announced that Daniela Bermudez this fight against Valeria Perez in a 10-rounder. I'm sure we'll be able to find a link for that and is, talk about that. Is that the right weight? She's 180. Daniela Bermudez? Yeah, she's 180. Yeah, I, yeah. I wrote it wrong. I wrote it wrong in the script, but she's uh, 118. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and then in Mexico on on Saturday night from uh, Mexico City, well, not Mexico City, but in the state of Mexico, Lourdes La Pequeña Juarez Lulu, La Pequeña Lulu Juarez, the sister of Mariana Juarez, is going to be fighting Alondra Prado Nava in a ten rounder at 100. So, Prado, this is quite surprising. 
because we had her here on the show not too long ago. She had won a fight. I think it was a title eliminator. She had won like a regional title, and she was right. expecting to have a chance at the title, the world title, sometime this year. Here we are in July, and she's fighting literally a four and two and two fighter. You know, last fight she fought Ladine Flores, who was undefeated and stopped her in six. Before that, she fought Candy Sandoval. I mean, she's beating some good fighters. Um, she's hoping and expecting a world title count, a world title fight soon, and she's just not getting it. And fighting a four, four and two and two fighter is really not going to get you any closer. So I don't know what's going on over there yeah. with Promotores yeah. del Pueblo, who usually are pretty good, and especially with the Juarez sisters, who are very popular and they bring in a lot of fans and a lot of ratings. So I find that quite yeah. surprising that they haven't been able to put together a title fight for Lourdes, La Pequena, or Luke Juarez. Yeah, disappointing. So we'll yep. see what happens there. On Friday, August 2nd, from the Thomas and Max Center in Las Vegas, Roy Jones Jr. gives us on the USC Fight Pass. Eva Wallstrom coming in from Europe to defend her WBC 130-pound fighter against Ronica Jeffrey in a 10-rounder. And Quite honestly, I want to applaud Roy Jones Jr. and the UFC Fight Pass because as far as I know, the promotional company, the Roy Jones, uh, Roy Jones Jr. promotional company, has no ties to any of these fighters. You know, they don't have Ronnie Jeffrey signed. They don't have Eva Wallstrom signed. Uh, they have featured other fighters on their cards, televised on this uh, Fight Pass, and they don't have them signed. So they're just putting on the fights because they know they're good fights, David. You know, or do you think there's another reason why they're doing it? Uh, well, I mean, it's basically UFC is getting into the boxing business, and they see there's there's money to be made, and they they've already enjoyed success with MMA with the girls, and now they're they're saying, well, let's see if we can do it with boxing because nobody's True. doing Good it, point. and they're getting into it. Uh, I actually spoke to Rosalinda Rodriguez. I'll be uh, mm. coming out with a story on her next week. And uh, Jamie Mitchell has ties with Layla McCarter. Uh, Layla McCarter is working with her. So that's going to be an interesting fight. That Those two fights are, are going to be yeah. great. They're going to be fantastic. Yeah. Rosalina, she's on that card, Rosalina Rodriguez. She's been under the Raiders. She fights out of the East Coast. But she's going to be fighting in Vegas on this card against Jamie Mitchell, the sixth runner, 115 pounds. And, David, you have a great point because – if the UFC knows how to do something, and it was announced uh, today, I've seen, uh, not announced, but there's Lance Pussmeyer from the Atlantic and other writers have been sharing the fact that Dana White has hired somebody, they didn't name any names, and when asked if it was somebody recognizable to boxing people, Dana White said not likely, but they have, they have hired somebody to head their boxing division, and they say they're going to come out with an announcement in the fall as far as what that entails. But you do have a point that if the UFC know how to do something, they know how to market a female fighter and round the route. If they find a fighter that has the talent, the charisma, you know, to to be able to carry a sport, is the UFC and Ronda Rousey, and maybe they're looking for that in female boxing. Yeah, I, I they, they see it, the door is open. It, nobody has... Uh, shut it down yet uh the big promoters are still not all into to it so ufc sees the opportunity and it looks like they're jumping in 
Wow, that would be that would be that would be a, wow. That would be a huge feather in in Dana White's cap. He's always criticized boxing promoters. He stated that you know like Bob Arum is a dinosaur and Golden Boy is this and 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 Floyd Mayweather is that and now him and is this and that. And uh, for him to come into boxing and to really create a a big female boxing star, something that no boxing promoter has ever been able to do, that would it would prove Dana White's a genius. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know, it's funny because a lot of people don't know is that Dana White was behind Melinda Cooper when she was first starting. And he mm-hmm. was basically managing and sponsoring her in the beginning. And okay. he got her her first world title fight. And when she won the flyweight world title, before the, the big sanctioning groups got involved, and uh, uh, Melinda Cooper won, uh, I forget which title it was, but I think it was a WIBA, and Dana mm-hmm. White was in her her, her uh, corner. She, and so he's always known about women's boxing. He's been involved. Uh, he he knows the women's game very well, and uh, if anybody can you know do something, it, it's him. It's him. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens there. Eva Wallstrom against Ronica Jeffrey in a ten rounder for the WBC 130 pound title. And Rosalinda Rodriguez against Jamie Mitchell on the same card in a six runner and 115 pounds. 150 pounds. Usually we don't put on TBAs, but I want to mention this fight just in case it does happen on Saturday, August 3rd, from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Heather Hardy is scheduled to defend her WBO 126 pound title against a TBA uh, in a 10 rounder. So they got oh, about a week and a half to find her an opponent. So let's see if Ludabella is able to pull that off. And the same night, but in San Antonio, Texas, Selena Barrios, the Aztec Queen, or is it the Aztec Queen? Yeah, the Aztec Queen, returns from her that loss against Melissa Hernandez on the zone, and she's taking on Nina Gallegos in a four-rounder at 135 pounds, so she'll be making her return and hopefully building from there. And on Sunday, August 4th, from Spain, Joanna Pastrana will be defending her 105 IBF world title against Costa Rica's own Jocasta Valle in a scheduled great 10 fight. rounder. Yeah, great that's a good fight. fight. Yeah, so we'll Yo, see. They, Valle there might a be a opportunities. What's that? In Sweden? They might stream that fight. Uh, I'll find out more. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and and uh, relay it to, to everybody. But. Uh, they, they might be streaming that fight on August the 2nd uh, or 4th, I mean. Okay, okay we'll perfect. Yeah, because Yocasta has had a couple opportunities in the past, and you could only get so many, and here's another opportunity to become a world champion, this time at 105 pounds. So that is scheduled for Sunday, August 4th in Spain. So our next show, August 8th, the two-minute round, your host of Jack look at the female boxing. This has been episode number 70. We thank you all for listening, and we hope to uh, have you here on August 8th. So with that said, good night, Lupe. Lupe, good night, David. Good night. And we'll be here on August 8th. Have a good one. See you then.